I would like to introduce to you um, some very good friends of mine, Mike and Sue Edmonds. Mike and Sue um, have invested themselves in young marriages. Um, They love young marriages. They applaud young marriages, and they give advice and practical helps for young marriages and old marriages, too. They have provided marriage retreats um, over the years uh, that really delve deeply on how to treat each other in a um, godly relationship with God at the top. Um, and they were the first ones that came to mind when we thought about our April or our February meeting around Valentine's Day to um, give God the glory for a marriage. So I hope that you enjoy what they have to say. And how many years you guys been married? How many years? Forty-four years of experience. They are childhood sweethearts. Childhood. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. If you want some other good pictures of marriage, you can go to her, too. Her and Mike have an amazing relationship. So, Well, I'm glad you got that book, The Husband Project. Um, it's more than a project. We're a massive undertaking, let me tell you that. So, um, yeah, I won't tell anybody you guys got that book that we're a project either, too, so don't worry about that. It's always a little interesting to talk with ladies and women, so um, hopefully what I share today will be helpful to you. The last time, if you remember, we talked, we picked a really nice upbeat topic called bitterness, and we talked about that. We're not going to do that. Um, but you invited us back, so I guess nobody was really uh, offended too much, hopefully. Um, also, yes, yeah, Sue and I have been married 44 years. We've been together since July 26, 1967. That was our first date. We were 13. <laughs> we never broke up. We haven't been apart since. And it's interesting because I saw this plaque. I was at a craft show. And this plaque, I didn't buy it because it wasn't the style I knew she would like to put on the wall. But here's what it said. If I could do my life over, I'd meet you sooner so I could love you longer. And I told that to the friends we were staying with. They go, you met at 13? Wait, wasn't that? I'm like, not enough. Not enough. I wish I could have met her earlier so I could have loved her longer. So it was like, And they said, that's kind of cheesy. I go, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not cheesy. It's what... It means to me, to, for her. So I'm going to do most of the talking. So I asked her if she wants to talk in front of a bunch of men. She said no, but I can talk in front of a bunch of women. So um, what we're going to do is, can we have this raised up, um, Deb, if we could, or the thing? I'm going to use this a little bit, but I want to challenge you on just a couple things and hopefully encourage you a little bit about your calling. What is your calling? What is your purpose? And I'm going to focus on one thing in particular. And I know when I talk to a group like this, sometimes you wonder, you know, I know there's people that maybe aren't married. I'm not sure. I know there's people that might be struggling in their marriage. I know there's people that, you know, have all sorts of different aspects of where they're at in their marriage. But hopefully that you can just pick something and then something maybe that I share today that might help you in the future. Um, so what I want to do is I want to focus on three things, technical difficulties, and we will need that raise. So, um, is Deb here? Yeah, I think it's like a quick... 
you win. Yes. <clears throat> Help us out here. We were too gentle. Very good. Yeah, you were too gentle. Yeah. yeah. What I want to do is I want to focus on what is your calling? When you think of what are you, why are you here on this earth? Why were you born? And again, I want to focus, like I said, on three things. I'm going to write three things on the board. And I'm terrible at spelling, so I'm going to spell things wrong. So you can just kind of laugh. I do it in Sunday school all the time. So if I were to ask you uh, these three things, and we prioritize, what is your calling? What would be the priority of who you are and what your calling is? And what I think most of you would say, hopefully you would say, because this is the number one calling, is right here. You are a worshiper of God. That's why, that's your main calling. Don't ever forget that. That's the purpose that you were brought on this earth. Isaiah 43 says, everyone is called by a name whom I've called, whom I've created for his glory. And I cannot talk without talking about this for a minute, okay? But for his glory, you were created for his glory. In Ephesians, he says over and over, why you were redeemed to the praise of his glory. Why are you adopted to the praise of his glory? Why are you sealed by the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory? Everything is about his glory. That's your first calling. And if you don't get that in your mind first, all the rest of them don't mean anything. Because this is the one. This is the calling. And 1 Corinthians says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. So that is your first calling, your first priority, and don't miss it. Everything is for his glory. You are being a wife for his glory. You are a mother for his glory. Everything. And it's so easy to kind of slip and let that fall away and not think about that first priority. We can even do it in things that are really good, like being a mother. You can start thinking, oh, that's important, but God's glory is more important. You can think that about being a wife. That's important. Even in church, church things, family things, that can be important. Here's one thing that really got me one time, and I'll just tell you just how easy it is. Well, let me write this first. Let me write this in. And you're going to wonder, what am I doing here? Does anybody know this verse? Okay. And I might have you erase this. Here's my writing. You can see, but you guys know this verse. Even in good things like in evangelism, this is the Romans road. How do you lead people to Christ? Here's what you do, and what do we do? We talk about all of sin. You fall short. All of sin. You're going to be in eternal destruction away from the presence. This is a tragedy. Man can't make it to God. Oh, my goodness, this is terrible. That's not the tragedy. This is the tragedy that his glory has not been revealed and realized. But we make it all about us when we share. Here's the bad part. You've sinned. You fall short. What's going to happen? Oh, my goodness, you. No. Here's the tragedy. He's not glorified the way he should be. So even in good things, we can sometimes forget the thing, which is his glory. So I always want to emphasize that. And I always share this, too. There's one question in life that you can ask all the time, 
and this is really the only question you need to answer. Everything you do, every word you say, every thought you think, everything you do as a wife, everything you do as a mother, ask this question, what will glorify God more? That's the question of life that you need to ask. So I have to start with that because that lays the foundation of what it is to be anything else, whether it's a wife or a mother or a friend or a sister or any of the callings that you have. The main calling, don't lose the focus. You are a worshiper of God for his glory, for his purpose. So I want to go to the next priority. What do you think that probably is? And hopefully you're going to realize today that as a man and as a husband, uh, I'm going to put this priority second. And this is kind of what we'll focus in on a little bit today. And what I want to do is make it clear that it's extremely important that you are a mother. That's why you're here. And you should be all you should be as a mother, but not at the expense of all you should be as a wife. That's what I'm going to focus on today. Just a challenge, maybe a refocus or maybe a new focus so you don't lose the focus on the priority of your callings, first of all, to God and his glory, and then second of all, to your husband. That's the second priority. And you have to ask yourself, is he? Is he really my second priority on this earth right now? If you know us, I love my kids to death. No thought ever who is number one on this earth. (laughs) I hope if you asked Sue, she would say the same thing. We love our kids to death. We love our grandkids. We love our great-grandkids. Not even close to her. Not even close. Not even a thought. Doesn't even come in. Got to keep it a priority. And what I want to do is focus on two things that... One kind of in detail a little bit, and then one really quickly on something that can happen to make you lose that priority. Something practical to like, I didn't even realize this was happening, but this is happening. My husband's no longer the priority he should be. And it has to do with being a mother. And what I'm going to call it is the nurture need. That's what it is, the nurture need. What does it mean to nurture? And if you look up that word, because I'm a word guy, it means to nourish, to upbring, to train, to provide conditions which are favorable for healthy growth, to satisfy an appetite. That's what it means to nurture. And so when I look out at you ladies, that's you. Would you not say that that's one of your main desires is to nurture. And that's one of your main things that you do to nurture. To nurture for you ladies is natural. That is natural for you. Men? <laughs> no way. We, we, we don't have that nurturing the way that you ladies do. You were called different. You were made different, fearfully and wonderfully made to do that. That's why men struggle with it. It's not our cup of tea to be nurturing. Now, it doesn't mean we can do things, and I'll get to that in a minute. That can help that. But you're good at it. So you were born to nurture. But also, as well as nurture, you were born to be nurtured. You desire to be nurtured also, too. And I think if you think about that, that's a reality. We all need this. We all need to be nurtured. One of my favorite scriptures, as a matter of fact, my life verse is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. 
And it says, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our very lives, because you become so dear to us. That's a verse meaning, I'm going to give you the gospel, but I love you so much, you can have my very life. But if you look at the context of that, Paul says, we never came with flattering speech or the pretext of greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men. It was all about his glory, either from you or from others. Even though, as apostles, we might have asserted our authority, he didn't do that. But listen to what he says. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Look at the picture Paul's painting there. And then he says, having thus a fond affection for you, we're all pleased to impart to you. But he understands people need to be nurtured. That Greek word nurtured, means nursing, means nurture. It means to feed an appetite, to strengthen. That's what everybody needs. That's what we all need. Paul realizes that's what the Thessalonians needed, and he treats them gentle, tenderly like that. So that's the reality of what it is, and you need that. But here's the caution sometimes, and this is what I'll focus on, and the priority sometimes when it gets mixed up in a marriage. You know, when you got married, there was no promise of kids. You said, I do, and you said, I do, to your spouse, even if nothing else came along. So that makes it a real priority, because you weren't promised anything else. But before marriage, there's the courtship, there's the dating, there's the engagement, all sorts of nurturing going on, isn't there? Both ways. He's wooing you, you're flirting with him, you're actually sitting and talking, and he's looking at you for once and paying attention. And you're communicating, and he's really understanding you, and you're being nurtured, and you're going, oh, my goodness, he understands me, so I want to understand him. And look what's going on there. And you grow together, and you're nurturing one another. That's basically what's happening. Then kids come. (laughs) Then reality hits for you ladies. And again, you ladies are gifted in this area. We as men are. But then the nurturing kicks in big time, but it kicks in big time for the kids. And then you're focused on that priority of your life, which is not wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on your kids and nurture them as much, but not at the expense of nurturing your husband. And that's what can happen. It can happen slightly, but then get larger and larger. Realistically, this needs to happen. You need to have some focus on your kids. And the husband's not good at that. We understand that. Some husbands are great, better than I ever was. I can tell you that. But you can't lose the focus of nurturing your spouse also, too. Because what happens a lot of times is the wife has the child, and they're nurturing, and they feel fulfilled in that nurturing. And the child responds, because they don't argue. They don't do well, not until I get older sometimes, but, but that nurturing is felt, and your fulfillment is in that nurturing of your child. And that's happening to them, and then you're feeling that, and you're getting fulfillment from that. Then all of a sudden your husband's like, wait a second, <laughs> I was still here. It's interesting, the thing today, and believe me, we go up to the hospital a lot because we do the young marriage, and there's tons of babies born all the time. <clears throat> and it's kind of interesting People talk about, you know, bonding and skin time and just the nurturing. And that's, that's hugely important. I'm not making light of that. That is good. But the husbands are like, skin time? 
Yeah. We haven't had that in a while either, you know. And, and, it's, and it seems kind of silly even at times, but really, it, it happens subtly sometimes. Where you're fulfilled in your child and the nurturing and the receiving you're getting, and you see how the kids in the mother nurture mode kicks in, but it can draw you away from the, the wife nurture mode with your husband. And then it's who's the priority, who's the focus. Then you begin to feel distant. I hear the word coexistent and roommates too many times in marriages. Why does that happen? Sometimes because the nurturing is stopped between the wife and the husband. And again, you guys are good at that. We're not always good at that. I'll get into that in a minute. So just a caution, the nurturing stays, needs to stay strong with your husband also too. And you can start to depend only on your child to be satisfied for that nurturing. So your husband <clears throat> sometimes starts thinking, what do I have to do to win back her love? Or what she used to nurture me, but now it sounds more like nagging than nurturing. <laughs> you know, and again, we blow it big time. And I want to make this point. This is just a little side point. I think we got a couple minutes. I can give you this. If I were to talk to men, I want, I want to let you know that we blow it, okay? We're not easy to nurture. We're not easy to love. That's no doubt. If I could talk to men, here's what I tell them. I tell them to take aim with their wife. And you're going to have a question about that later. Now, what do I mean by aim? The A stands for affirmation. The I stands for intimacy. And the M stands for meltdown. And you're thinking, meltdown? Yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But I tell them, guys, you know what? If you want to nurture your wife, which she needs, you need affirmation is big. It's huge. You ladies need to be encouraged. You ladies need to be told what you mean to us. Not for what you do, but for who you are. You know, I always thank Sue for clean underwear, you know. And everybody laughs, but it's always there. And I thank her for that. But I need to tell her for who she is, not for what she does. I need to affirm her. I need to encourage her. I need to speak words in her that she's going to love to hear. Tell her how great she is. She is great. She's awesome. So you need affirmation. So I tell guys, you better start here. If you're not affirming your wife, and you're going to wonder why you guys are separating, here's the problem. The second I is, the I is intimacy. And there's two aspects to that. Really, intimacy for you ladies, at least I think in talking with ladies, is it's not even sexual. Intimacy in the scripture doesn't even talk about that. God is intimate with me. What is intimacy? You know them. You understand them. You listen to them. You know how they feel. It's a non-sexual intimacy is what we're talking about. And I tell guys, guys, if you don't do this, if you don't live with your wives in an understanding way, in First Peter, as with like a weaker vessel, and that weaker vessel thing, it doesn't mean that you're weak, just physically weaker. It means that you cannot handle not being understood. Okay? And that's true. Guys can go, you understand me? Yeah, we bump fists and we go, yeah. Try that with your wife. You understand? Yeah. No. I need to be understood. You need to know why I feel this way and how you made me feel this way and how you can make me not feel this way again. That's the questions I tell guys to ask. So intimacy is huge. 
And then the other intimacy is the sexual part, and guys have no clue on that for you guys. So I won't get into that because we're in a mixed company. But then the third thing is meltdown. And what I mean by that is if you affirm your wife, if you're intimate with her and she knows you love her because you understand or listen to her, she's going to melt in your arms. There will be a meltdown. Just as when you hold a newborn child or you hold a little baby and you can just feel them relax in your arms. And I ask husbands, when's the last time your wife crawled up and did that in your arms? Maybe you need to affirm. Maybe you need to be intimate. And maybe you can get a meltdown. Because if you don't, there's going to be another kind of meltdown. There's two meltdowns. The one she melts in your arms and the other you don't want. But you don't get it. So I hope this will help. And what I would ask you to do is think about even just simple acrostic aim. Talk to your husband about that. Tell him how to do that. But even if he doesn't, he won't, he'll fail. Okay? He's going to fail at doing these things. But help him to do those things. But they need to learn how to do that so you can be then wanting to nurture them. And then the second thing, and it's just a quick point, and then I'm going to let Sue, it's called extreme expectations. And I want you to think of one simple concept. I'm going to ask one question. Do you expect your husband, and your marriage for that matter, to provide for you things that only God can provide? Do you expect your husband and your marriage to provide for you only things God can provide? Are they extreme expectations? You know, at one time in our marriage, in marriage, it used to be, here's what you provide. I love her, I supply for her, and I give her security. We live happily ever after. That used to be okay, and that's really what marriage is about. But now you know what it is sometimes? Okay, you need to provide meaning in my life. What am I here? What's my meaning? You need to provide hope for my future. You need to provide, be my moral compass. Everything you do, I want to watch you. You need to provide my self-identity, who I am. None of that's provided in your spouse. It's provided only in God. So don't give the expectations of looking at your husband and going, I need you to provide all these things because it goes back to the very first thing. Only God can provide those things. It's for his glory, for his purpose. Don't look, look for things that God can provide for your husband. So what you're calling, what's your focus? Do you need to refocus? How can you do this? How can you be a better wife practically? Here's the best one that can tell you because she's done it for me. So step right up there, dear. I'll move this for you. Well, I guess I'll start by saying I am a sinner saved by grace. Uh, Mike is very, very gracious with me. <clears throat> Whenever he talks, he always is hes just very, very positive. And I am not <laughs> the woman he would make you believe I am. In his eyes, that is awesome. That's great. But practically, I am not. Just so you know that, I am not. <laughs> um, I have the fun part. I get to practically tell you how you can do this one part of making your husband a priority practically. Maybe just some suggestions. Again, I want to stress that your highest calling, though, is to believe in and love the gospel and then to live your life in light of all that Jesus has already done for you. 
This isn't to put pressure on you. This isn't to give you a to-do list. It's to allow you to enjoy prioritizing your husband, to spend that time making him feel valued and that. Because there will be days that he may feel that he is at the bottom of the food chain. And we can do little things to make him feel then valued and a priority and loved in our lives. So um, the first one that I would suggest is that you make your home a haven for him. It needs to be a safe place that he comes home to, a retreat from the world. He's out working, and you may be out working, and you're both coming home, whatever. But for what you can do, some suggestions I have in making that home seem like a haven to him. Um, the first thing that you do that I try to do is when I hear his car or the door shut is that I go to the front door where he's going to come in. And you greet him. You greet him with a smile. You greet him with a hug. And if the kids are all right there, make sure they know that mommy gets the first kiss and hug. And then they get the hugs and all of that for dad. I mean, think of how you feel when you've been gone as a mom. And you come home and the kids come running to you. Doesn't that make you feel missed and loved and valued? Well, our husbands need that as well and make them feel like, oh, she stopped what she was doing and she came and greeted me at the door. Um, The next thing you can do as he comes in is maybe, and we had four kids, and so I know the house gets cluttered with toys and laundry and everything all over, but if you can make one area one area of your home that he can go and sit down and feel not this cluttered, you know, stuff, mess, or that he can just go, "Ah, I just need a minute to sit and relax. Um, If you can find that, maybe even enlist the kids to help you. Like, hey, let's pick up our toys around Daddy's chair. Let's make it really nice. Enlist them in that. Make it a fun time that they can do that. They want to be a part. They want to make Dad feel loved and valued as well. Um, The next thing is don't hit him right away with, okay, Jimmy spilled his milk, and and I need you to discipline him, and I need you to do it now. And, oh, by the way, could you change that light bulb, and could you, um, you know, change my oil, my oil in my car? It needs changed. Don't hit him with a to-do list to come home, not... Not things that you need, those will need done, but if, only if there's an emergency, like, I need help, someone's bleeding, something like that. Don't, otherwise, try not to hit him with something he has to do immediately. Just let him enjoy being home. Because otherwise, sometimes our husband, when they think of coming home, they're like dreading, wondering what they will face. But ladies, we want them to come home loving to see your face. So try to do that. And remember, things are usually received better on a full stomach with guys for some reason. They just, there's a connection between their thinking and their stomach. And so if you can, you know, mention things maybe after dinner and that, that'd be great. And guys are a headlines kind of guy. You know, they want to hear about your day, but they don't want to know what color your friend was wearing for her shirt or or what this style was. They want just the headlines. They do care 
about what your day was like. They want to hear. But they only want to hear the headlines if you want them to really know. So we've got to think headlines when we communicate because usually that's all we get from them. <laughs> and then later we can try to pull out some of those details. But just try to give them the headlines and maybe less drama, especially when they first come home. The second area that I want to um, share with you some practical ways is maybe to encourage your husband with post-it notes. Now, all of you have received a little thing of post-it notes. I want you to take those home and use them if you can. Post-it notes in the least expected places. Just, I don't know if you all noticed, but I put some post-it notes around as you came in. Just, yes, yes. Hey, hey, ladies, on the bathroom mirror, in his underwear drawer, in his sock drawer, on his keys. Think about your husband's routine and what he does. Maybe his toothbrush. Just find your husband's routine and leave little notes of encouragement. He'll know they're from you. Um, and just, you know, like, thank you for going to work every day. I admire your leadership of our family. Thank you for loving me. Just little things, anything that you can put. Um, and again, it's not all, like Mike said, not all for what he does, but who he is. Thank you for your integrity. I see how you conduct yourself with your peers. I really admire you. Little things like that will impact your husband. It'll bring a smile to his face. Tell him, you make my heart happy. You give me, you make me smile. All of those. Put them in different places. And it's kind of fun to try to find a place and then find out, you know, they may say, oh, oh, you found that note, huh? You know, <laughs> just, it's, it's, Amazing, ladies. When you do this, you may find some post-it notes left for you. Mike leaves me post-it notes now all over. And so it's fun. It is fun to do, and it's a, a nice, easy little way. It wouldn't take a minute to do that and just place them, just to let them know, hey, you thought about them, and you left him a note. Also a card. You could write out a card. Um, and guys are big on respect over love, necessarily. And write out reasons that you respect your husband or that you admire him. You know, in the last month or whatever, this is what I've admired, how you've handled this or that. Um, and then sign it. Not love. Not love, Sue, but admiring you always, Sue. Or I adore you. Things like that. I respect you. And they, that will really make them feel prioritized and valued. The other one is verbally. These are all written. There's verbal encouragement. Um, along with the verbal is body language and tone. I just, sometimes you wish you could just say things in the right tone. Um, why are you late? Instead of, hey, everything okay? I've missed you. Did something come up? Something happen? Different, totally different way to encourage. And it's, it's really easy. I'm, I'm, like I told you, I'm a sinner. I'm a reactor, 
a lot of times instead of a responder. So I am learning to respond, to take a minute and not react to the situation, but respond. So you can do that. Um, Especially words uh, as you're talking to others. Uh, Others that know us know that we always talk about having your husband's name safe in your mouth. That means anything you say about your husband, he would feel safe with you saying that about him to someone else. He knows that you're not going to degrade him, demean him in front of others, in front of the children, any of that. His name is safe with you. Um, The third thing is companionship, to make your husband feel that part. Guys bond by doing things. They like to be doing things. You don't see guys going to the coffee shop just to talk, necessarily. They go and do something. You know, it might be talking about where the best place is to hunt or something, but they will be doing something. So try to... Make that a priority. Like if your husband suggests you go do something, don't discourage that idea. Say, sure, I'd love to do that with you. I'd love to do that with you, even though it's not something you want to do. But out of love and respect, you are willing to do that. And ladies, you will benefit greatly because the bond will be there. It might be watching football on TV or basketball, or hockey, or some kind of sport on TV. You know what I do? He just wants me there, so I, I'm there. And I sit there, and I'll, I'll put my head on his shoulder sometimes, and then I'll get up, and then I do a puzzle. I like to be busy while I'm doing So I'll do a jigsaw puzzle, but I'm there watching the game, and so we're talking. As, you know, He doesn't have to have that physical contact. He just wants to do something and have you there. It might be raking leaves together. And there, kill two birds with one stone. You get your leaves raked, and you got to do an activity together. So just think about that, of an activity that you can do, you know, even on your date night, if you have a date night. Maybe it can be finding something that he enjoys doing. And then the fourth thing is prayer. Prayer, ladies, this is huge. Of all the things I've talked about, this is the thing you can do anytime, anywhere. You don't need anything. You don't need a post-it note to do it. You don't need, you know, prayer. Pray for your husbands. I have handed out two different kinds of prayer lists for um, your leaders to give you that you could use if you want for a guide. Um, I like to pray scripture for my husband. So I will place his name in scripture. I've handed out different scripture verses for you, and I put in there, my husband. Well, you substitute my husband for your husband's name. And pray his name to the Lord for as often as you can. Or if you don't have that in front of you, if it's something going through the day, for some reason the Lord has brought him to your mind, lift him up in prayer. Lift him up in prayer. And he will feel that undergirding and that support from you as you do this. You can write out a prayer and give it to him. That will touch his heart. Pray with him and pray out loud for him that he can hear you pray for him and your love for the Lord and your love for him through that. So, ladies, these are just some basic ideas. Your home, 
encouraging words with the post-it notes or verbal words, companionship, do something with him, make him feel like, oh, my opinion matters and what I want to do matters, and prayer. Prayer, above all, you can do that, again, anytime, anywhere. And don't make it a to-do list. Don't make it a burden. Do it with joy. Do it as, so, as often as you want or as least often as you want. But you will see results, ladies, I promise you. You will see results in your bonding with your husband in that relationship and his feeling apart instead of um, sometimes as children come in that they feel neglected maybe or second class. We need to make sure that they know they are top in our eyes and in our children's eyes next to the Lord. So, okay. Let me go ahead and close just with a quick thought, and then I'll pray. So we talked about the calling. So obviously worship with God is your calling. And when you think about it, that's eternal. And the purpose is for his glory. And you think about your calling as a wife. And that's till death do you part. That's your whole life. But the purpose of that is extremely important, too, because it's a picture of Christ in the church, the bride and the groom. The one picture God decided to use to show redemption is look at the marriages. And so that's huge. And that's, and then you're calling as a mother. And you raise them up in the way they should what? Go. See, they go. <laughs> it's not eternal, like God's purpose. It's not just for your life. It's for a time period. But the neat thing is you do it right. And that becomes eternal also. Begins the legacy of then they're going to go the way they should go. They're gone from you, but now their focus is his glory. And the picture of marriage and their marriage, the best thing you can do. I say this over and over, and Susie even mentioned it. The best thing you can do for your kids is to love your husband the way he needs to be loved. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you for these ladies. I pray, Lord, your blessing upon them. I pray, Lord, that um, just your words and your scriptures and your Holy Spirit would be upon them, that they might know, first of all, how to be a better worshiper of you, and then also how to be a better wife, and then how to be a better mother. Father, bless all the children of these represented here that they may see in their wife's, in their mother's marriage, in their father's marriage, that they may see Christ and come to know him at a very early age and then want to portray that very image for eternity in the future for everybody that comes. Thank you again, Lord, for this time, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.